Disclaimer, this was one of my first stories ever. I didn't know much about point of view so I wrote from the perspective of three characters each in first person. So when the heading indicates a change in character, the first person refers to that character and not the previous. Sorry about that. 10 guards, 2 kerosene canisters, 12 gasoline bombs, 4 men, 40 minutes, 156 members of parliament, 1 parliament building, and 1 purpose. Numbers. They are a peculiar bunch. It is said too many cooks spoil a dish yet it is also said two brains are better than one. One wet grain of sand could only but irritate an eye, but billions could topple a city. When a society is at a tipping point, it only takes one spark to ignite the flames of change. The accused, Mapeshu Mungom. Mr. Mapeshu Mungom, do you understand the charges set against you? Asked Judge Musola looking down at me from his high seat. Yes. I responded. What is your plea? Not guilty on all counts. The cries of the angry, on the outside of the courtroom, banged against the walls, while the silence from the eyes of the men and women seated in the pews focused in on the proceedings. A young boy's breath cracked as he exhaled. He was scared. He didn't want his older brother to go to prison. I wish I could say that I had nothing to lose as I stood on trial looking unfazed by the prospect of spending my life in prison. But that would have been a lie. I had to maintain this facade of bravery or else everything would have been for nothing, but to be honest, I wanted to pee myself. You may take your seat. Prosecution, present your case. Motion Judge Masolo to the prosecution. I am State Counsel Kishulo Mambo, for the prosecution. Counsel Kishulo cleared his throat with a solemn look on his face. The prosecution calls its first witness, Mrs. Tapiwa Mumba. The sound of a heel hitting against the cold hard floor echoed behind me as the shifting of fabrics soared through the air. Her brown heels were the first things I saw. They were unmistakable. She wore them to church every Sunday for as long as I could remember. Ordinarily, they were supposed to be in shambles, but often the utilities of the poor last longer than the quality of the rich. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth nothing but the truth so help you God? Judge Musolo said. He looks awfully composed for a man who has probably been bribed to send me to prison. Justice is the biggest lie in this country, and the evidence are the fat politicians sitting in public office. Criminals, the whole lot of them. Imukwai, Mrs. Mumba said with her fake smile. Her hands clamped against each other, like she had trapped a fly. I would like to meet the person who taught Zambian smiling as a sign of respect or humility. You can speak whichever language you are comfortable with, Judge Musolo added after hearing her response. Oh yes, I speak English, Mrs. Mumba said as she gave a low fake laugh while she held her chest in short bows. Another interesting sign of humility. As she took her seat on the docket, I was wondering what she would say. Every time a story passed through her ears, what came out of her mouth was a complete exaggeration. If the story was a caterpillar, it entered a cocoon when it entered her ears and a butterfly flew out of her mouth. Mrs. Tapiwa Mumba, could you tell the court your relation to the accused, Counsel Kishilo said. Ah no. Mrs. Mumba said in a mild panic, we are just neighbors. Otherwise, I am not relate to him. Nobody saw it, but I did. It was only for a second, the twitch under Counsel Kishilo's left eye. The mask of composure gave way to the real expression on Counsel Kishilo's face, a hard cringe it might be. A witness being defensive does not look good in court, her disregard for tense didn't help either. It serves him right being on the payroll of murders and thieves. Could you tell the court what happened on the fateful day, Counsel Kishilo proceeded. Of course she began her testimony from when the first light of the day peered through her makeshift curtains. Her preparation for the day, the argument with her child, and the lack of mealy meal for porridge were elements really necessary for her testimony. By the time we leave this courtroom, we will know more about Banamumba than this case. 
Mrs. Mumba stick to the relevant facts. The court doesn't see how you're missing Jean's assist this case. Judge Musolo interrupted. Sorry Bob Judge, I found my Jean in the Bafa. Then I heard shouting outside. I went to see. Me, shocked, you guys Uja, busy shouting to his brother and mother. The mother crying so. Mrs. Mumba narrated with satisfied look on her face. The satisfaction of a professional gossip. What was the mother to the accused saying? Counsel Kishilo interrupted. Izakamba Adi don't follow your father. Don't get involved. Budi Umu guys Enzo Yenda Chabe. Hello ever since he came from university, he has changed a lot, Samvela. Objection my lord, character evidence is not admissible unless the accused puts his character in issue. Therefore, the witness statement on the accused character should be severed from her testimony, said counsel Kimiebwalya. She was my defense lawyer, pro bono. Her skin was just like her sense of justice, flawless. Oh wait, she has a pimple. Is that another one I see? Her righteous naivety was the only reason she took my case while everyone else was smart enough not to risk their careers. But I'm not complaining. Sustained. Concentrate on what happened Mrs. Mumba, said Judge Musolo sternly. My father once told me that in every tyrannical era, there are three types of people. Those not smart enough to see that they are being oppressed, those aware of it but are too afraid of change that they settle for tyranny, and those willing to die for freedom. My father wasn't the best of men, not the most educated. But I reckon, he would have thought Mrs. Mumba to be the first kind of people. I wish my father was one of them too, I reckon. Mrs. Mumba summarized her testimony as though it was a plea to get a criminal off the streets. Counsel Bolia denied the opportunity of cross-examination. She probably thought the testimony wasn't worth her time. The first witness stood up, lately fluffed her brown dress and left the docket. The echo from her heels click against the tiles was slowly swallowed by the booing of the people gathered outside the courtroom. There was a huge turnout for the case. The prosecution calls its next witness, Mr. Chibuinurenda. Announced Counsel Kishilo. I turned back and I wanted pretended I wanted to see Mr. Nurenda, but my gaze wandered to its real destination. The tiny strands of hair that laid flat on his scalp, freshly shaven hairline. Mum made you cut your hair for this? His eyes were glassy as a light beam poured into the courtroom. His hands were clenched into fists and his shoulders slouched. There was a restlessness in him, revealed by his fidgeting. My little brother was worried. I am from your average Zambian home, the urban poor. We had just enough to survive and not enough to do much else. I only managed to go to university because of a student loan while my brother relied on what was left after the rent and bills was paid for his education. Despite these harsh conditions, my dear Kaza still thrived in the sciences. Mapeshu. A scream would come from the bedroom. I was pulled out of my book again. I got up and headed to the room I shared with my little brother. What do you want now? I need you to hold this motor for me, he said completely oblivious to the fact that I was doing something or maybe he didn't care that I was. I pushed down a tiny metal protruding from the motor. He screwed down the tack onto a plastic platform that was broken from a toy car. On the front of the motor there was a gear, and on the back, there were plastic propellers delicately glued to another metal protrusion. At the end of the plastic propellers were strips of white manila paper. Done. Do you like it? My little brother said in a joyous tone, as he drew all his teeth out of his mouth in a wide smile. Well, it looks interesting, but what is it? I replied knowing that this is another contraption that I would never use, but would have to put on the shelf to show that I am proud of him. Introducing. My little brother said in a dramatic prolonged manner, the motor fan. Now when you feel hot, instead of using your hand, you can just crank up this gear like this, and voila. It doesn't use electricity like your ordinary fan but kinetic energy, hence you can feel cool at no cost at all. 
The propellers spun and created a small breeze. Wow thanks. I responded with a mild sarcasm, you will be a great man one day. Only if you are there to believe in me, he said immediately as he tickled my upper waist then sprinted out of the room. I hated that so much. Obviously, I ran after him. I did mean it when I said he would be a great man. Despite the bleak state of things, he saw a world of endless possibilities. I made it my business to protect his dreams. I worked hard in school and graduated so that I could turn the tables for him. However, only a month after the graduation, ordinary life as I knew it fell apart. I know my father thought he did what he did for the greater good, but what about cause's greater good? What am I saying? I had a chance to give cause a better life but here I am on trial. My anger and pride are costing cause an older brother too. I guess we are the same father. Mr. Nurenda, if I am getting you correctly, you said, as you walked towards the smoke coming from the parliament gate, you saw the accused running into the parliament premises. Then moments later you began to hear sirens, and the accused ran past you from the premises. Correct? Asked Counsel Bualya during the cross-examination of the prosecution's second witness. I zoned out and didn't notice that it was already cross-examination. The while I pretend to be deep in thought get ready to be destroyed because I got you look Counsel Bualya had on reassured me that whatever happened during the testimony, she was in control. That was a relief. Yes Mr. Nurenda affirmed, he ran out leaving a pile of burning bodies behind him. It was a sad sight. Some were still alive crying for help. He added. Could you enlighten the court on what you did after entering the parliament premises? Counsel Bolia asked. Objection, the witness is not on trial hence his actions are not relevant facts, only what he saw. Counsel Kishilo said quickly standing to his feet. My lord, the witness actions are relevant to the case because he did not only see the accused at the crime scene but also went and acted on the crime scene itself. Hence my need to prove a point. Counsel Bolia replied. Overruled. I am giving you narrow leeway Counsel Bolia. Mr. Nurenda answered the question. Judge Musolo hesitantly responded. I saw the people on fire and did not know how to help them, so I left the area to look for help from the police, Mr. Nurenda answered. You ran away. That is what you did. You came upon an active crime scene and saw possibly dead people, and thought maybe you would be incriminated if the police found you there and so you ran. Counsel Bolia confronted Mr. Nurenda with a hostility that intimidated me, and I wasn't on the stand. How different are you from the accused? You saw the smoke before the accused entered the parliament premises, that means the guards were already on fire as nothing else was burning. This testimony only proves that a young man found out that his father was going to do something illegal, and tried to get to him before he could, however, the young man was too late and found the acts already done. Unless being at a crime scene is a crime, it proves nothing to incriminate my client. Counsel Bolia finally submitted and went to take her seat. The audience gave an uproar, shattering the silence with a round of applause. Judge Musolo called for order on the top of his voice. The prosecution's attempt at re-examination fell through the cracks and their second witness left the docket. The prosecution called their final witness. The tension in the muscles on the side of the head of counsel Kishilo relaxed and his veins melted back into his skin. I wasn't sure if I was imagining the whole thing, but the prosecutor was more confident with his back straight and chin up. This wasn't the atmosphere counsel Kishilo had a moment ago. It looks like we are in for a surprise, or it could be pride comes before a fall. A man walked in wearing a worn-out brown suit that looked like it had been passed down from generation to generation up to him, the seventh generation. He went up to the docket and took an oath to tell nothing but the truth. I estimated that the number of lies that had been told on that docket made the oath pointless, and only something that legitimizes a lie if the court believes it. Mr. Njovu, could you tell the court what you do? Counsel Kishilo said. 
I am part of security at the parliament, Mr. Njovu responded. He shuffled in the seat as his nervousness made him uncomfortable. A muscle spasm pulsed on the side of my head, I hadn't noticed that I was clenching my jaws so hard my teeth were merging as one. If that were possible it would have happened. A stream of warmth began to gather throughout my body. Explain to the court what happened on that afternoon. Counsel Kishilo directed. I was standing guard in Parliament monitoring the proceedings. I was in the guard detail that was closest to the Parliament building entrance. As I was touching my radio, I just sensed something was wrong, so I decided to switch it on and I heard the other guards alerting us of the terrorists, Mr. Njovu said. Objection my lord, calling them terrorists is highly speculative, and what the witness sensed, Counsel Bolia said signaling air quotes with her fingers, is irrelevant before this court. Sustained. Mr. Njovu, tell the court the relevant facts only, save the dramatization, demanded Judge Masolo. Sorry your honor, Mr. Njovu responded seeking to continue. You will address me as my lord or my lordship. This is not a magistrate court but the high court. I would have expected the prosecution to have mentioned that during their deposition of you, Judge Musolo corrected Mr. Njovu. I sorry my god. Oh I mean your highness. Your majesty? Mumbled Mr. Njovu. There was chuckling faintly heard from the audience, but my eyes were fixed as daggers on Mr. Njovu's dark loop-sided face. Mr. Njovu, calm down. Proceed with your explanation said Judge Musolo. He chose not to pursue the correction any longer, things might only get worse. So, Mr. Njovu hesitated, he tried to remember where he left off but the shaking of his legs showed that he probably needed to pee more than remember where he left off. I switched on the radio and I heard shouts from the guards outside Parliament saying that the perimeter had been breached. I quickly pulled out my gun and ran out of the Parliament building. I then saw a man on fire, who was running towards me so I shoot him in self-defense, said Mr. Njovu. Bloodshot eyes from the sudden rush of blood, rage rained down on me like a wild storm. My clenched fists pressed hard on the table as my upper body shook with tension. Counsel Bolia squeezed my fist and whispered from the corner of her mouth, Calm down, we talked about this. It only hurts your case. Think about your brother. Yes, my brother. He was the only person keeping me sane, other than that, there was only anger and the desire for revenge. Such ill feelings provide such a precise focus, clarity, drive especially in a system where majority of the protectors of law and order are on the payroll of the government. The law is then only masquerading as a protector of society but in reality, it safeguards the interests of the ruling class, only doing the bare minimum to uphold a facade of justice. Such a system gave no choice to my father, and now they dare call him a criminal. He was desperate for a better future. Did the man have anything on him? Counsel Kishilo asked. He had a banner that said we gave you the keys to our futures, but you rob us. Change or die, Mr. Njovu replied. My lord, as the court is aware, to prove a case of misprision of treason, there is need for there to be an intent to commit treason, and the accused needs to have known of that intent, yet not report to any relevant authority, Counsel Kishilo explained. From the testimony of the prosecution's witness, it is clear that the men that attacked Parliament, did so in order to procure by force the change of government policies. That is treason. Hence, the accused knew of his father's plans as shown by witness 1 and 2 but didn't report. He should be found guilty of misprision of treason. I am through with the witness my lord, Counsel Kishilo took his seat. Defense, the witness is yours, Judge Musolo signaled to Counsel Bolia. Counsel Bolia stood up confidently, took a file and walked to the docket. She placed the file before Mr. Njovu. Could you tell the court what you see? Counsel Bolia requested. It is a picture of the banner the man on fire had, responded Mr. Njovu. Could you read it to the court, said Counsel Bolia with finesse in her tone. 
Mr. Njovu hesitated. He looked at Council Kishilo for help but Council Kishilo's head was already down. We gave you the keys to our futures, but you rob us. Change or we die. Mr. Njovu said in a lower tone. Exactly, this was no act of treason but an act of desperate men who were suffering under a government, they labeled exploitative and deaf to the cries of the people. The only way they thought they would be heard is by suicide at Parliament Building, said Council Bolia. The act of desperate men huh? I may be fighting for the same cause as my father, but that doesn't mean that I agree with him. Some may consider his act bravery but what about his family? His children? My younger brother? The country may become better but no one else will take care of his family for his sacrifice. Actually, some people even turn against the family like Mrs. Mumba. The charges of misprision of treason, a party to four counts of murder, and a party to six counts of unlawful wounding hold no ground, and my prayer to the court is that my client is acquitted, ended Council Bolia as she walked to her seat, and mockingly winked at Council Kishilo. The judge adjourned the case. He announced that the last charge of unlawful assembly will be heard tomorrow and judgment will be delivered. The judge, John Masolo. This seat has never felt heavier. I was at the center of a national scandal, and I was the deciding factor. Being a judge is sometimes cumbersome. Whichever way I choose, my career will never be the same. I got up from my seat after I adjourned the case and everyone arose. I couldn't even savor the moment and crack my usual joke to myself, I am king, and you are beneath me. Puts a new spin on inside joke. I left for my chambers. Are the other bodyguards here? I asked exhaustedly. Yes sir, Judge Musolo, the extra security you hired are keeping the path to the car clear of the people. We are here to escort you out, said my usual bodyguard in his standard black suite and white shirt bodyguard attire. I needed a moment to breath and gather strength. I was not ready for the backlash I was about to receive from the people outside the courthouse. Here we go, I sighed walked to the exit. Immediately my foot stepped out the door, there was an uproar. I had to conceal my fear and pretend to be unbothered by anything that was being said, but deep down I just wanted to run to my wife for safety. Maybe I should have hired more guards, the people seemed too close. I got into the car and was driven off. Don't hate the player, hate the game. I was just doing my job, I have no say on the management of this country. I hoped my family was safe. I would not want anything to happen to them because of this case. The gentle jerk from the car as it stopped was a sign of relief. I was finally home. The driver opened my door, and I took my briefcase out of the car. At first they looked like they were with the extra security I hired, but all my guards had just stepped out of the car that was tailing my vehicle. Who were the men standing at the door to my home? Who are they? Hey! What are you doing here? I exclaimed in fear and anger. You could temper with anything, my job, my car, my early morning coffee with the light tiny marshmallows, but no one tempers with my family. Relax. They are just extra security. These are dangerous times, said a man who emerged from the doorway in a t-shirt, black jacket and gold chain, the typical bad guy attire. The subtle sinister tone in his voice dried my throat. Come on into your office. Let's have a chat, he said with a smile on his face that was like see-through plastic. I could see right through the fabrication. I hadn't even made a complete step into the house when I received a blow in my stomach from the head of my youngest son as he hugged me in excitement. I could hear my wife singing in the kitchen, as pots and pans clinked together. Why would you come to my house? I whispered as I shut the door to my office, checking if anyone could hear us. My employers are very unhappy John. They paid a lot of money for results, and they aren't seeing any. Now why is that John? Asked the man in a patronizing tone as he wandered around the office examining my books. This is a very tricky case. None of the arguments from the prosecution are remotely convincing, 
and because of the public exposure, I can't be seen to throw the case. People will lose confidence in the legal system, and my career will be over. His lawyer will just go straight to appeal, I rapidly spat the words. My heart was beating faster and my palms were sweaty. Do you know what I am hearing John? Excuses but no results. We didn't give excuses when giving you the money, did we John? We didn't hear any excuses from you John, did we? Asked the man in a calm and intimidating voice. He came over and put his hand across my shoulder as though he was talking to a friend. I am a judge. Gravel before me. I did not even know his name. I just know he was in the office when the bribe was forced on me. It was a simple transaction John. Money, results. Money, results. We gave a whole lot of money John, where are the results? The man added as he slowly raised his voice and squeezed my shoulder muscle, making me slowly fall to the ground until I was on my knees. I tried my best not to shout and alarm my family. How dare he do this to me? I am a judge for crying out loud. Ouch. It hurts. I like you John. You do as you are told. So here is what you are going to do. Tomorrow, you will sit on your mighty chair, and declare the delinquent guilty of whatever, and sentence him for a long time, he said as he pushed me in a chair and bent down to look straight into my eyes. My employers, want him off the streets John. The march can't happen John. If it does, my employers will be out of their government jobs. And they do not want that. So do your job or else you will be the only one left talking in this house, John the man said as he went into the living room, and praised the aroma from the kitchen. What have I gotten myself into? Defense counsel, Kimi Abwalia. My client had grown on me. People may see a threat to their authority, a criminal, a zealous leader seeking for change, or a freedom fight, but I see him. He is hurting, not only about his father's death but also the fact that his younger brother will have to grow up without a father and possibly a brother. Yet, he still finds the strength to make me laugh, or ask about how I am doing whenever I visit him. He is a kind soul, but he is also angry. You understand that this case has nothing to do with justice? This is a typical case of the government suppressing the opposition. I raised my voice in frustration. I wasn't going to allow injustice to happen on my watch anymore when I, Kimi Abwalia, was called to the bar. Easier said than done. I know, said Mapeshu. His calm demeanor irritated me even more. I have managed to clearly prove that the prosecution has no case on the previous charges, so much so that for the judge to rule against us, it would be clear that he was bribed. And I assure you, he was, I said as I tried to reason with Mapeshu, trying to make him understand that I could only help him if he was willing to cooperate. The cross-examination, when he is on the stand, will be a bloodbath. They will get you on the charge of unlawful assembly. It is easy for them to twist it because of your speeches. Just explain your words away, say that they were theoretical and scholarly, and not literal, I pressed him harder even after his sixth refusal. You are asking me to be a coward, said Mapeshu. No, I am asking you to go home. I am asking you to be free and not suffer injustice. I care about you Mapeshu. You have a bright future. A law degree for Munza for crying out loud. Don't throw it away because of pride. What about your young brother and? I added. Pride? Interrupted Mapeshu, you think this is all about pride? He asked rhetorically. No, this is not pride. This is sacrifice. This is for every mother who can't send her kids to school, and the mourners who sit by the roadside because of the death of their relative due to lack of health care, there was a prolonged silence as he paused. Pride? If I water down what I preached, the people will throw in the towel saying, the system got another one, nothing will change, he said as tears fell from his eyes and he shook back and forth in his chair. This system killed my father, and is robbing my brother of his future. Pride? This is not about pride, 
Mapeshu said sniffing his nose and clearing his throat. Besides, I am already too deep in this matter to turn back now. I wish things were different, but wishing only waste time in reality, Mapeshu said wiping away his tears with his sleeve. I was seated in the court the next day of the hearing, and I was watching witness after witness going on the docket, explaining Mapeshu's messages of radical change by the power of the people. How Mapeshu scheduled a march to submit a bill to Parliament that will call for the auditing of government, and the adding of clear transparency and accountability clauses. Full-blown investigations of each government office to see how funds are being utilized. Records, documentation everything will be exposed. Probably the main reason the ruling party won him off the street. He preached that the people should take their rightful place in government. Government is not a group of politicians, it is the people. Government of the people, by the people, for the people. He preached that we were slaves under our own people, that we worked tirelessly, and that our proceeds were deducted by tax that was only pocketed by the so-called leaders in the end. We need to fight for true freedom. We need to be brave for our children's children. On and on the witnesses went. Inspector, were you notified of all the meetings the accused held? I tried turning the tables in cross-examination, but I knew my efforts were futile. Did he cause the group of people to immediately breach the peace, or his words were just strong? I persistently asked each witness. I watched as Mapeshu took the stand, and unshakably not deny any of the testimonies. He went even further to explain how what he said was a call to action to the nation. His bravery in the face of adversity was one to be admired. I have heard the arguments from both counsel from the prosecution and the defense. In my considered view, the accused did notify the police of every meeting, and held all the meetings and gatherings legally, Judge Musolo said, then paused and nervously swallowed. For a few seconds his eyes shifted to the back of the court. When I turned, a man in a gold chain and white t-shirt sat in the back. I wondered if it was him the judge was looking at. However, a lawful gathering can be turned into an unlawful one if they breach the peace. The march to Parliament scheduled for the day after tomorrow is going to be a breach of peace, Judge Musolo said and took a heavy breath. Therefore, the accused is found guilty on the charge of unlawful assembly and is sentenced to five years imprisonment, Judge Musolo announced as the audience went wild. The shouts for silence from the judge did little to calm the audience. The anger from the people shattered the walls and shook the courtroom. They finally yielded at the raising of the hands of Mapeshu after the judge gave him a chance to speak. There was complete silence. He stood boldly and said, If this is the price of freedom, then I am willing to pay. For all the suffering, and injustice done to our beloved country, what are you willing to pay? Take heart brothers and sisters, the pain only lasts for a short while but the victory for a lifetime. They are trying to cut off the head of the snake to stop the change. But I know, society is not a snake. His young brother then dashed to the front with tears in his eyes begging them not to take his older brother away. Mapeshu leaned towards him, grabbed his hand and said, you are greater and stronger than you think. Keep the fire burning. A lawyer is to be composed in court. It is professionally mandated. But I couldn't hide it, my anger, my rage. It is one thing to aspire to stop injustice, but it is another to watch it happen right in front of your eyes. I am sorry Mapeshu, I have failed. I have failed to stop an injustice. The courtroom guard seized Mapeshu and took him away. My heart sunk at the sight of all this. Despite the applause the audience and the people outside the courtroom gave me, all I could do was walk away and head home while an innocent man went to prison. I am pathetic. I tossed back and forth on my bed, struggling to sleep. The next morning was quieter, only people on the TV criticized the judgment. While people outside went about like it was an ordinary day. Mapeshu sacrificed everything for this nation, and this is how they repay him? What am I even saying? I am in the comfort of my home, while Mapeshu rots in those filthy cells. 
I am just like the rest of them. No, I wasn't going to be one of them. I wasn't going to let what he fought for die. I got dressed and went to court. I lodged in an appeal for the case, and returned home to prepare for the march the next day. Parliament was having the third reading, and even if I were to be the only one, I was going to push for the accountability bill to pass. The sun poured into the house, and the birds chirping sounded like a battle cry. I took a shower and got into my boots. Immediately I left the house, fear began to creep into my veins, but I walked anyway. I passed by the police station to notify them. I found three other men standing by the police desk. You're a counsel Bwalya. The defense counsel for Mapshu Mungo. Guys, look it's her, a man in a red shirt said with so much excitement. This was awkward, I have never gotten this much attention so I didn't know how to react, I just smiled. Are you going for the march? We are here to notify the police so we do it the right way. Mapshu always told us to not give them a reason to stop us, the man in the red shirt said proudly. Oh, that's why I am here. The march is still happening? I was relieved to see other people going for the march. I told myself that I would go even if I was the only one. But if we are being fair, one person cannot really change anything. Who am I kidding? I probably would have sat at the assembly point all day and never marched. Happening? He chuckled. You will be shocked by the number of people who turned out. The police were notified and we went to the assembly point. My jaw dropped. It was a crowd of an innumerable number of people, larger than I could have ever imagined. It was like the whole city was gathered. We went to the front of the crowd. The view didn't help my racing heart. Armed riot police were gathered there. This was too much excitement for my entire lifetime. There were people who were deep in debate, we approached their circle. Gerald, did you manage to notify the police? A tall woman turned to the man in the red shirt. Yes we did, thanks to Council Bwalia. The police tried to refuse us to march but she just explained the law, said Gerald. No, I just had to explain to the police the law and they had to. A megaphone from the police silenced the chatting, go home. If there is any confusion caused, we will open fire. We all paused not knowing what to do, except for a little boy, that pushed through the crowd with a placard pressed to his chest. Completely fascinated, I followed to see where he was going. The little brave boy stepped through the front line and took a few steps forward. He stopped took a deep breath, raised his placard and turned briefly to face us. His face tried to mask his fear, but we could see the placard shaking. I won't let the fire stop burning at red. He began to march, and with that show of courage, everyone began to march. That little boy, like father, like brother, like him. The End